Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Chris Archer returned, and the Rays blew a 5 to nothing lead, but they walk it off in the 10th inning after Daniel Robertson singles home Kevin Kiermaier, who led off with a triple, and the Rays used nine pitchers in the game. Kevin Cash said whatever they ate before the game, well, they can't eat that anymore. Was that W's? And overall, 19 runs, 30 hits, and two errors. This game was almost four hours long. Big stadium announcement today for the Rays. We'll find out just what their new ballpark will look like and maybe what it costs. But uh, from what we hear, could be something that Rays fans really like. Dan Shaughnessy, who's a Boston Globe columnist, had an interesting story about how baseball may be striking out in every way this year. I'll tell you why I agree with a good portion of that. And an interesting question posed to me today or yesterday by J.P. Peterson on WDA. Can the Bucks rally around Jameis Winston's three-game suspension? Interesting concept. We'll talk about that and so much more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started on the podcast, let me tell you about a special offer from audible.com. Sign up now and you get a free 30-day trial. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this podcast, you also get a free audiobook. Now, here's what you do. Go to audibletrial.com slash sportsday. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sportsday for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. Okay, Steve, so you were at the game all four hours of it or so, and uh, sometime during the race. 3.55, come on. So to be fair, to be fair, just shy of four hours. Hey, this wasn't 16 innings and 5.45. That's true. That is true. We've had longer games this year. Um, But sometime during the game, I think Donald Trump nominated a Supreme Court justice, and he's been confirmed by the Senate already. That's how long this game was. So here to recount every pitch sequence is Steve Versnick. All right, well, it started in (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> well, we could probably do Chris Archer's pick sequence because he didn't last that long. What do you go, like three and a third or something uh, Three like and that? a third innings, six hits, three earned runs, two walks, three Jeez. strikeouts, including walking the first batter. Um, he defined it as rust uh, in the post game. <laughs> I would say he was very rusty. Uh, didn't yeah. really have a ton of command on his pitches. Um, but to be expected, I mean, you know, he was on a pitch limit of about 75 pitches. I think he threw uh, 78 pitches total for the game. Uh, Only made one rehab start at Charlotte last week. So I know they brought him back quick, probably quicker than they wanted to because they need pitching help right now. Starting especially. Uh, He probably should have stayed another start or two in the minors in a rehab. But, you know, they brought him up going, he's probably a better option than what we have. Let's try to get four Mm -hmm. or five innings out of him, 75 pitches. Um, Mm -hmm. He wasn't awful, but he uh, definitely wasn't Chris Archer. It definitely wasn't. You know, he started the year pretty poorly this year. He was getting better in the month of May, and then he got hurt. Um, it definitely wasn't the, the you know, he didn't look as good as he did right before he got hurt, but, you know, he's coming back from injury. He's hoping next start on uh, what probably Saturday that he'll have maybe 95 pitches, 90, 95 pitches, and, and hopefully better command of the pitches. 
Uh, but the good thing is he was spotted a 5 nothing lead in the first inning. Yes, he was. Rust or rest? I would say rest, but <laughs> he was rusty. Uh, Kevin Cash said after the game, says, yeah, I guess rest, rust is a good word because the first two pitches almost hit the guy. <laughs> so he didn't have the command that he normally has. But Well, yeah, he um, doesn't throw but, inside, and he almost hit the guy in the head on the second pitch. So, so you know he was off. Um, but, you know, we've also seen Chris Archer give some leads back, and he did that again. The Rays led this game five to nothing, five to three, then seven to three, then it was seven to seven, then they led nine to seven, then nine to nine, and finally they went at ten to nine in ten innings. It was a seesaw affair, as we mentioned, a lot of runs, and this is not the example that we'll get into that uh, Dan Shaughnessy was talking about, actually. But well, there was um, a lot of bad baseball in this game too. Um, there was Nick yeah. Castellanos uh, misplayed a ball in right field. Thanks for the mm-hmm. dome. Lariano probably fielded a bunt he shouldn't have, or uh, it was. Kind of a, a chopper in the infield. Should have went foul mm-hmm. instead. He let more runners on. Uh, the Rays were made some errors along the Jake Bowers, a really bad throw to first, trying to make kind of a quarterback option pitch to Sergio Romo that allowed a run to score. The tying run at 9-9 to score. Um, yeah. Drop, yeah. Drop ball at home plate on a great throw by oh. Carlos Gomez. Carlos Gomez is a got tremendous throw. Yeah. Um, and, and, and some base running blunders, too. And, and – I know Carlos Gomez is going to get a lot of the the attention for getting thrown out at home pretty poorly mm. as mm. Joey Wendell hits a double. Jake Bowers and Carlos Gomez are kind of running on top of each other, and Wendell's right on their butt too. Wendell stops at second. Quatrero sends Bowers home but never signals anything to Gomez, so he keeps running through, and it's I mean he's thrown out by 20 feet at home plate. But the third base coach, Matt Quatrero, never stopped him. And Gomez yeah. will get you know crap for being thrown out, but – he, you're taught to run till your coach stops you, and he never did. Yeah, and, and believe me, Gomez Gomez is very capable of of making bad base running mistakes without any help. And in this case, he didn't get any help. We talked about this a little bit before the podcast. I mean, in that situation, when you have two runners that close together, your right arm is signaling run, run, run. You know, you're pumping that one. That's uh, the first. And your left, your left, your arm left is the hand is the, is the second runner holding him up. So, um, but he, but you know, Cotrero after after waving home. Um, you know, Bowers really had no signal at all for Gomez, and he's out. You know, he's out fairly handily there. We've seen a lot of runners in, in the Rays this year, and not where guys had to make you know bang bang throws or relay throws, but just simple plays and get you know walked into tags. I mean, that's how far they're out. Well, far too many times. So Cotrell struggled a little bit, I think, uh, as the third base coach. The Rays had some breaks tonight too, especially early in the game. I mean. They had, you know, one fly ball got lost in the roof and dropped into right field. Um, Gomez's first, you know, had a hit that bounces off the second base bag for a double. Haven't seen that in quite a while. It was a hustle double at that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they got some early breaks that, uh, you know, helped them build that five to nothing lead. But, uh, you know, and and really, you know, if if there's been a star of the race seasons, and look, they're they're two games over five hundred now for the first time since like mid May. Um, so credit them for that. But if you know, it's it's sort of been it's been the bullpen. It's been this this cast of of pitchers, and of course Blake Snell, who should be an all star. More on that later. Um, but it's been that which has worked for the Rays. Their offense has come to life these last couple of nights. But for the most part, they're they haven't scored a ton of runs, and and their bullpen has kept them in it. That was just not the case tonight. They there really wasn't a lot of guys that pitched very well coming out of the pen. Uh, Hunter Wood did very well. He's actually been very impressive this time up. Uh, Has you remember in the sixteen mm-hmm. inning game, he pitched several innings, did really well tonight. Tonight he threw two and two thirds innings, just one walk given up, uh, two strikeouts, no hits. 
Uh, he's been very impressed. Jamie Schultz, not so good tonight. Um, what did he, he walked the first batter uh, to lead off right. the inning, then hits a batter and gives up a double, and then he's pulled, so he doesn't get any outs at that point. And then you're just playing musical chairs to Adam Kalarik and Diego Castillo and Ryan Stanek, just trying to get through the game. And, and part of this was once they got that deep, and you know, they really didn't want to have to go through that many pitchers. The next two days, they knew today was a bullpen day essentially, because you knew Chris Archer wasn't going to go more than you knew Archer five innings gonna, you at hope, most. You were hoping yeah, for you four. Yeah, you hoped you went four or five. Yeah, yeah, maybe you got five if he was really efficient. Tomorrow, Ryan Stanek's going to start. Yarbrough's going to take up most of the innings. Um, and then Wednesday's going to be a bullpen day, too, So until you can Brutal. get back to Snell and Evaldi. So, you know, a lot of the moves tonight were, okay, this guy's facing one or two batters. Let's get him out so we can still use him again tomorrow. Um, so that was a lot of – I mean, they used nine pitchers in the game today. So, you know, I, I think Kevin Cash was just preparing for next week's All-Star game as A.J. Hinch said he selected <laughs> Cash because he knows how to use nine pitchers in a game. <laughs> He's not going to have any trouble with that. <laughs> you might have to bring his pitching coach to do it. But but uh, this was a game – I mean, on, they would they may have done this whether, you know, whether or not perhaps, you know, they had been giving up a lot of runs to the Tigers. As it turned out, they needed all those guys uh, just to get through the game. But this is what the Rays have done pretty much all season. You've talked about this, Steve. This is not helping baseball. It's not helping pace of play, which is baseball is very, very concerned about. Um, you know, in, in, in this game, when you have that many runs and 30 hits and two errors and all that, you can say, okay, well, that game's probably going to go almost four hours, and it did. Um, but even a regular game for the Rays, you know, it wouldn't have surprised me if they'd have played a, a five to three game that went three and a half hours just because, you know, you make nine pitching changes or use nine pitchers in a game. Um, this is this is sort of what you get, right? Absolutely. I mean, I'm just counting to see the Tigers, I think, had two pitching changes mid-inning. The Rays, uh, one, two, uh, three, at least three pitching changes mid-inning, maybe more than that, um, which right. is, you know – Gives you, you know, that's actually, I was, uh, and then we mentioned this on the podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, friends of mine, or my cousin actually in, in Houston, who's a big baseball fan, was asking about the opener and, and what it was all about. And I was explaining to her, you know, hey, you know, it's about, you know, putting pitchers in the best position and kind of throwing off the lineup a little bit, throwing 100 right off the shoot. And then, you know, by the time your leadoff hitter gets back up, it's a different pitcher and, you know, all those kind of things. And she was like, okay, that seems, you know, I, I see the logic behind it and, you know, not necessarily sold on it, but she's like, but we've already had two pitching changes. It's the third inning in the middle of an inning, <laughs> which meant two more breaks in the game. And, you know, yeah. that, you know, that's where, you know, baseball's got a problem with that. And the the interns at the Rays, I work for Rays Radio some of the time and with Andy and Dave doing broadcast sure. and, and they have broadcast interns every year. And the guys last or a couple of days ago went to the Threshers Stone Crabs game and, um, they actually were doing some practice play-by-play. They, they want to be play-by-play guys in their their career, so they were doing some practice. Following, yeah. following Andy Freed's footsteps Absolutely. right there. So yeah. they, they went yeah. there to practice, and they said, it's amazing what the pitch clock does. And you never felt like the pitcher was rushed, but the game moved. It never felt like the pitcher was like struggling to make the pitch in 20 or 30 set, whatever it is. And, the, and they're experimenting yeah. with this in the minors now. It's not in the majors. They have a clock up there, but it's really not that enforced in the majors. But in the minors yeah. – they're doing it because it's amazing. The game just moves, and it just you know it just oh. you never feel bored. And like Chris Archer tonight, he's a slow pitcher. Yeah, he's not one who gets yeah, the yeah. ball and throws it. He he takes his time, and you know you can see fielders behind him. 
bored, especially when, if they're if they're the command's not on and they're they're get th- getting a lot of three ball counts or walks or, you know, it's not good for base. I mean, we're in this we're in an ADHD society where you know everything's got to be instant and quick and this and you know baseball can go six, seven, eight, nine minutes between balls and play because there's so many strikeouts now. That's correct. That you uh, know, and that. You're, you're touching on a lot of the same themes that we've talked about before and Dan Shaughnessy wrote about in this column. I'll just uh, kind of, you know, breeze through it here. Um, and, and, of course, from his perspective, you know, he, he is in Boston where the Red Sox are having, you know, one of the better years. I mean, they're 62-29, and 29, uh, 33 games over 500, and yet, you know, coming off a series with the Royals who had just lost nine straight and 27 of 31, his point was there's a lot of bad baseball teams start there. You know, the Blue Jays are 20 games out of first place, and you just look at, uh, you know, the American League East where, where the Orioles are. I mean, even the, the Rays. The Orioles and the games. Royals are both 40 games under 500. Yeah, We're not at the All-Star break. The, We're not at the All-Star break. No. The Orioles are 41 games under 500, 41, uh, going into uh, going into Monday night's game. So, yeah, it's just crazy. And, and you know, is, in terms of Major League Baseball tennis, it's starting to take take a hit. I mean – 21 of the 30 teams are down from last year, and baseball is on pace for its lowest, lowest total attendance since 2003. Um, and I was thinking tonight, <clears throat> you know, if, even though it's summertime, if you have a family, you have some young kids, let's say they're, you know, you're trying to get them interested in baseball anywhere from, say, you know, I don't know, 5 to, to 10 or 12 years old, you go to Tropicana Field, you're happy to be there. It's a 7-10 start, you know. Um, you see a lot of action. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It wasn't one of those, you know, two to one games or four to four to one games where uh, that lasts three and a half hours. But you know, so you saw some action. But by the same token, you know, it's it's you know, damn near 11:30 by the time you get to your car. I mean, that is a that's quite an investment when you consider that depending on where you're driving from, it may have taken you an hour to get there, an hour to get home. Um, you know, you're talking about a six hour commitment. On a on a week night, and assuming the parents have to go to work the next day if they're not retired, or what have you, I mean that's that's asking people to invest a lot besides besides just their money, and um, you know pace of play is is one of those things that you know even Rob Manford knows that they that they have to address. I mean it's just something that um, you know community and the young young people are just. Look, just not into you that. go to a hockey game you know it's going to be about two hours and 45 minutes that's correct you go to an nba game it's going to be around two and a half hours you go to a football game an nfl game it's going to be around three hours you go to a soccer game it's going to take you about two hours you know the time that's invested baseball and, and well part of baseball's appeal is it's timeless and it can you can go have forever, 16 yeah. inning games whatever else but when you go in and, and have no idea of the time commitments and it, and like I said, if you if it's an exciting game and it goes three and a half hours, I'm happy to be there. There's lots of action, lots of pace, lots of you know you're not getting bored with it. You know, challenging at bats, great. It's the you know how slow the game is and the amount of mound visits. And I'm you know I'm glad they're counting mound visits now, but they still find ways around it. Um, sure. You know now they're just making more pitching changes out of those mound visits. I was just going to say the other thing that has happened is the approach to the game is different by the players. You know, there there was a time not long ago, folks, where strikeouts were a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was uh, an accomplishment for a pitcher to strike out ten batters. Now it happens in five innings almost every game. Um, hitters will, will tell you they have no conscience at all about it. 
It's, you know, everyone's trying to launch the ball, hit the ball out of the park. Tom Berducci, who is uh, with Sports Illustrated, and you see him on the Fox broadcast on occasion, he, he um, used his stopwatch and calculated recently that the average time now between balls in play, okay, a ball hit fair, if you will, um, the average time is 3 minutes and 45 seconds. Think about that. I would have thought it's actually higher than that, so – yeah, That's but just, just a ball. Uh, well, it's it's really not when you count well, when you when you calculate it over nine innings. Um, but that's that's still a lot of time between action. I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you know, and you know it's strikeout, home run, or walk. Um, and this is sort of sort of what's going on with baseball. I'm 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 worried for the sport that I love that I th- still think is. You know, one of the best sports going, and it, it, it really maybe doesn't relate to, again, to tonight's or Monday night's game just simply because mm-hmm. that was a game that had so many runs and so many hits it was going to take a long time, and there was plenty of action. Um, but it wasn't good baseball either in some, some respects. But, I mean, you know, um, there is there, – maybe it's just the year, but there also seems to be this, this disparity this year, especially in the American League East. I mean, you look at how the Yankees in Boston have just sort of separated themselves – um, and, and, you know, used to be, if you're around 500, you have a shot at a wild card. If yeah, not, the American league, the, the American league and the national league actually has, most of the teams are still in the hunt for a wild card. Yeah. Um, yeah. the American league has five teams that have separated themselves, Boston, New York, Houston, Seattle, and Cleveland. Oakland is now 10 games above 500 going into Monday night. They're now trying to catch Seattle for that second wild card. And then after that, it's the Rays, who are two games above five hundred. Um, the American League, the teams are pretty much known. Maybe Oakland can catch. Maybe the Rays or the Angels or somebody right around five hundred can ca- catch fire and ca- catch Seattle. It's the most likely team to get caught by the end of the season. But the playoff teams are pretty much determined in the AL, which makes it worse, and that's bad for baseball. The NL is, is the opposite. It is all the division races are up in the air, and there's a lot of teams still involved. There's a few teams out, like the Marlins and the Mets, but – Everybody else, uh, the Reds may be out of it too, although they're actually playing pretty good baseball right now. But, uh, you know, the the National League is where the action is right now in baseball. It's not the American League because, you know, the Boston, the Houston, and the Yankees are the three best teams in baseball, and they're head and shoulders above everybody else. And they're running away with their, you know, running away to clinch playoffs burst. They're all 30 games over 500 at this point. And you know what's interesting, though, like when you talk about the different sports, okay, so the NBA has had, you know, you know, the same teams win or being competitive. I mean, we've had four straight finals between, you know, the Cavs and Golden State. Sixty nine percent of the championships have been won by five franchises. Right. And yet and yet it's still they're not suffering attendance problems. They're still, you know, they're on the rise. It's still a, a wildly popular sport. You know, Shaughnessy makes the point that he just feels and, and I think baseball has become with with the advent of cable and and MLB network and all this stuff it's it's really become a regional sport you know you do have your sunday night game but there's so much baseball on all the time and going back to the superstations that um you know it, it, i mean why isn't he he argues he says you know the, this is his Shaughnessy talking meanwhile the game is taken over by geeks the players become more faceless mike trout great player why isn't he as popular and as well-known as Kevin Durant or Steph Curry? Well, one might be the reason is because he plays on the West Coast. But aside from that... No, but so does um, Durant and Steph Curry. So does Durant and Steph Curry. And I, I, think it's, I think it's a good point. It's like, where are, 
you know, the, the superstars of the game well, that the we pr- celebrate. The problem that baseball has is, okay, Mike Trout's a phenomenal player, the best player in the game. He's going to get four at-bats a game and maybe makes two or three plays in the outfield. Mm-hmm. So over three, three hours, let's say, he's mm-hmm. going to impact the play seven times maybe? Over three hours? Your stars don't yeah. get to be. Kevin Durant could touch the ball every time down the court. So can Steph Curry. Right, and there's only five guys on a court at any one time, and all that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Mickey Mantle didn't, you know, didn't have any more at bats than Mike Trout necessarily, and yet it just seemed that baseball stars back in the day uh, were were bigger names and bigger faces. Uh, you know, I mean, what it's when really, I was yeah, growing what, up, what you said is correct. I mean, baseball's become a regional game. It has. It's. it's it I has. like my team. I'm not. I'm not. I don't watch a lot of other baseball. I watch my team. That's correct. I love my team. And, and, you know, while the attendance is down in baseball this year and, and overall and for most of the teams, I'm curious what the television ratings are for the teams. Because, I, you know, I know the Rays ratings are pretty healthy. I don't know them offhand, and I, I can't tell you where they compared to last year, but I know they're healthy in this market and, and have been for many years. That while attendance is down, are, are less people tuning them in on TV, which is where the bigger money is anyway for the teams. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, we're, we can't sound like a bunch of old men here and say, you know, in my day they had the game of the week and you'd put it on and it was a big deal and it came on after this this week in baseball, you know, and it was, I mean, though that's that was sort of, though, uh, you know, sort of the romance of the game. I mean, saturation, we're seeing this with the NFL um, to some extent. And I, I agree with you that baseball is a regional sport now. Um, but I, I think I think too much of, of, of something is, is maybe not good. In the overall, I mean, um, I think the NFL will find a day when, when it may may wish that they didn't play every Thursday night and every Sunday night and every Monday night, and then, you know, games from one o'clock or in, or some or in many cases with a game in London, um, you know, from nine a.m. Uh, until midnight on Sunday. Uh, that that's a lot of investment that you're asking your fan to uh, to have. So you're already starting um, to see know, the that, ratings dip in the NFL. Sure. Now, some are saying it's because of kneeling and, you know, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of factors. I don't think there's any one factor as to why the NFL's ratings are down over the last few years. Right. And, and I think part of it is is the oversaturation of it. Absolutely. And that's that's something that um, I was warned about by Rich McKay. I can remember him talking about it, that, that, you know, it was a concern then. But, you know, they will just keep adding games so long as networks pay them money. And that's why they're playing may, more and more games in England. Because of Sky Sports offering them a billion with a B dollars to televise not one, not two, not three, but like what is it up to now? Six, six teams something go like over that, there. Yeah. Or six. I think there's six games. Six games, right? Twelve teams. Yeah, there's like six games now during a regular season over in uh, across the pond that that start, you know, at like I don't know nine a.m. or ten a.m. in the morning. So, six a.m. on the Pacific Coast. Yeah, which is crazy, right? I mean, who's who's got who's going to invest that? you know, during their NFL. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, 
it's a lot to talk about. Um, you know, also, I mean, in this, this is, you know, something that is not a small thing for the Rays because when you talk about attendance, we know the Rays have not done very well in that area every year. And yet a big announcement today, uh, which is going to happen in Ybor City, if you didn't see the skyline was lit up in Tampa last night in Rays colors. I know Stuart Sternberg is uh, pretty geeked about this, but the Rays are going to unveil at least uh, their architectural plans, if you will, uh, for what they perceive their new ballpark to be. Uh, and we don't know any of the details per se, but we can anticipate, I think most people are anticipated that it will be not a retractable roof, but a fixed roof and most, uh, most likely in that. Um, and, and we've kind of talked about the U S bank stadium with the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota, where, um, it appears to be open air because there's so much glass and so much sunlight. Uh, I think you can anticipate something like that, right, Steve? Uh, that's that's my into, uh, you know anticipation that mm-hmm. look you'd like to have an open air stadium you'd like to have a retractable roof but how many times a year are you going to actually open that roof for the extra how many hundreds of millions of dollars it's going to cost for uh, that at least one or, two, or at least two hundred million and that and you're, and I guess I think you said that Miami had it open a half a dozen times or something like that I, I mean maybe it's maybe up to ten times a year they had it open uh, you know a couple of those Rays games uh, this last week right. Um, right. But yeah, often and they had to close it during one of the games because uh, some rain was coming. But I, I don't think financially it makes sense. My, my, what I'm really curious to see is how many seats it's going to hold. Right. You know how big are they going to make this a thirty thousand seat I'm gonna stadium? Say, a I'm going to say thousand seat say, stadium. I'm, yeah, it's not going to be a forty less, something that the Trop is. No, I'm going to say it's less than thirty five. That's what I believe. I think you're probably right. Uh, I I, I, I want to say thirty to thirty. 233 is my guess. Yes, yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's going to be Which makes it intimate. Yeah. yeah. I th- I think I think one of the things they're going to try to do is is keep it a little smaller, more intimate. It, it is a fairly small footprint of the area they have there, so that controls it too. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you've seen like t- Target Field, uh, it's a small footprint, mm-hmm. so everything's really close to the state. Now they've built that up three decks um in a lot mm-hmm. of places at Target Field in Minneapolis. Um, but they, it's a much bigger set. I think it's closer to 40,000 seats. I don't anticipate that this one will be that big. No. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think you know most baseball stadiums going forward that, are, that will get built, if Oakland ever gets one or if we see expansion or some other teams get new ones, I don't think you're going to see them built as big as the past because attendance is going down in all sports. And it's, you know, it's becoming a television game first. Almost all the sports are. Film before a live studio audience. That's that's sort of what's like. It becomes like WWE. The other thing we might learn is what the price tag is. Not that they'll anybody really knows how they're going to pay for it, um, but if you roll out the plans, there's more than likely going to be something attached to it in terms of a range of of what these thing this thing will cost. And let, let's face it. I mean, these things are now costing anywhere from I don't know seven hundred million dollars to a billion dollars, depending on what stadium you're talking about. Um, so. And the other thing I'll be be interested in, too, and, and, you know, I know JP, you were on with JP Peterson on DAE today. um, And and a lot of the calls before and after your segment were uh, talking about the Rays and and a lot of people complaining about parking down there and things. First of all, that area will look completely different. Once the deal starts getting done, a lot of those, a lot of the the stuff there is going to get torn down and new stuff will be built up and it'll look completely different. So, you know, the parking part will come, but it's going to be kind of how they how how the stadium fits in there how the infrastructure is and kind of how they envision the area around the stadium and and I don't know how much the race will control you know if you look in Atlanta where they built the stadium in Cobb County which is just north of Atlanta the county north of there which is where a lot of their 
their fans live at. So it's on the way home from downtown. But the team owns a lot of the area around there, the restaurants and and the business park and all that stuff. You know, how much of that's going to be with the Ray Stadium and what they envision in that? I'll be curious. And we may not learn all that tomorrow or today, later today, but um, I'll be curious what, what they see in that regard too. Well, it's a great opportunity for Ybor City um, to to uh, modernize and expand, and and I, I would just compare it to um, uh, what is now I think it's now AT and T. What's in San Francisco? These AT and T Park, AT and T Park, one of the be- most beautiful parks I think in baseball. It's it's down on the waterfront. I went to San Francisco for years um, when they played at Candlestick. My sister lived out there, um, and before they built that ballpark, that area was a bunch of abandoned wharfs. You know, it was, it was on the wharf. It was a bunch of, of abandoned, um, you know, just piers, basically. Mm-hmm. And it, there was no development. Um, it, it was kind of a scary place to walk, to be honest with you. You wouldn't want to be there at, at any time, day or night. And, you know, as you work, worked your way further towards the city, towards Pier 39, it was touristy and everything was cool. But back where that place is, it was just rustic. And... What happened was it was a, it was a combination of developers and, and city money, and they got a parcel of land. But the developers uh, worked, you know, with San Francisco because if you own that property around there, now you go down there. There's these gorgeous condos built up around the ballpark. There's all kinds of living mm-hmm. um, space and, and mixed use space, uh, restaurants, whatnot, and and I'm sure they have you know that sort of vision for the Rays where that will kind of revitalize, that'll be sort of a centerpiece to help revitalize uh, parts of Ybor City. So don't be, you know, if, you, if you've been down there and you've seen the signs, you know, posted on a chain link fence or something, uh, you got to kind of close your eyes and try to envision what it would be like. But I think we'll have, a, uh, we'll have an actual rendering of, of what their vision is for that area and what the stadium will be. So it's a big day uh, today for the Rays as they sort of trot out their uh, their vision for their new stadium. And um, you know, this is this is where it begins. Now you have something tangible that uh, corporations can look at, and that uh, you know fans can uh, can decide whether they want to be part of it. I mean, it was similar to that with Raymond James Stadium. I know it was publicly financed, but you know the Bucks at the time wanted to collect a lot of personal seat license, and I think that helped drive the sale when they were able to reveal what Raymond James would look like, what it was about. So something more tangible. Um, for the Rays besides just, you know, their young baseball team, which, to their credit, back over 500 again, which is uh, which has been, you know, quite an accomplishment uh, the way they've done it. Um, also, uh, you mentioned I was on with J.P. Peterson, as I, as I want to do every now and then on 620 WDAE, and he asked an interesting question um, as we kind of segue to the Bucks here just a little bit. And we, we spoke to this a little bit the other day but uh, in Tom Jones's column, but he asked me, uh, off the start, if I thought that the Bucks could use Jameis Winston's three-game suspension as a rallying point. And my answer is they will try. Uh, I absolutely think that that will be something you hear uh, in some form or another throughout training camp. You know, my experience is that in, in professional athletes in, – in, it's sort of surprising because, you know, it's a, it's a kid's game played by men for money now. Um, but no matter how great the player is, whether you're talking about Tom Brady um, or, Joe, you know, back in the day, Joe, whoever it is, Joe Montana, they're always looking for an edge. You know, these guys still need that little carrot, right? And for the Bucks, I think they have, you know, 
one that's sort of built in now with the suspension of Winston, which is, hey, everybody thinks the season's over. Hey, everybody thinks we're going to go 0-3. Um, you know, last year was, you know, the expectations were high. This year, nah, no one has any expectations for us. Our season's over because Jameis is suspended three games. Now, you know, the, the, Jameis has to come in and explain to his teammates and apologize for his absence because he has let them down, and he has let them down in a big way. And there's no way to, to really sort of minimize the the importance of a franchise quarterback and a number one overall pick with a self-induced error um, that psychologically can impact the team uh, in ways that, you know, it's not like he's injured. This isn't a situation. And they'll treat it like that. They'll say, well, if Jameis got hurt, we went through this last year. He missed three games. Ryan Fitzpatrick came in. He went 2-1. and one. Yeah, it was against the Jets in Miami. But forget about that. Um, you know, he's capable. This is a football team. We have to win as a team. But I do think that there is a, a chance or an opportunity for them um, because I don't, I don't know that this was unanticipated. I mean, maybe reality – when the rubber meets the road, it's kind of a shock, you know, when they finally handed down the suspension. Quite frankly, I think he's lucky he didn't get six games. Um, but they prepared; they have sort of prepared for this back in March by re-signing Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think they prepared for it by upgrading their defense. I mean, that was something they had to do anyway. Um, and then you have Ronald Jones, who is going to become a big part of this offense. So uh, I do think that there are enough guys on this football team, whether it's Quan Alexander or Gerald McCoy and guys on offense, they still have all the weapons with Deshaun Jackson and, you know, Cameron Brait and, you know, just all the receivers, Mike Evans. Um, you add a player like Ronald Jones, they'll have to do it a different way, but I don't think they shut down the offense. I don't think they feel like their defense can't be competitive. Um, I think it will be something you hear echoed uh, a lot about how, you know, well, you know, you know, we'll, we'll show everybody, you know, no one believes in us. And that can be a galvanizing thing. And that's what, what JP was asking. And I think it can be. Now, what will it matter at one o'clock on Sunday in New Orleans on opening day? We'll see. <laughs> because, you know, I, I'm one that believes that, that football uh, is a game of momentum. Whether you're talking about a game in the first quarter, you set the momentum, you know, and it, and it carries you through. Um, I think seasons have momentum, and I think that, you know, if you go to New Orleans and you get blasted, uh, that doesn't help you the next week against the Eagles. If you play tough against the Eagles but lose uh, a close game, you're still 0-2 facing a Monday night game against Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, it, it, it does – all the talk won't matter. What will matter is how they play. But you will hear, I think, Steve, them talk a lot about how – uh, you know, this is a this is something that will will pull them closer together as a part as opposed to tearing them apart. Well, it's going to be interesting because I think you know, and we've talked all along about the suspension being you know for the the months leading up to it, it was well, this is a he said she said thing. There's not really evidence. Now it becomes the NFL is pretty sure he did it. She's credible and consistent. And alcohol played a part, it. and he may they not remember everything. It. Yeah, I mean, they they said he did it. So yeah. I, I think it can galvanize to get behind him, but is the organization behind him, and how many players are? I mean, publicly they're going to say they're behind him, but right, you know, my curiosity is is with what he's been accused of, and and what the NFL now says he has done in this instance, and there's a history of it. Is 
does this can this can this us against the world mentality bring the team together or can he being apart kind of tear it apart and, and I don't think we know that and I, I think a lot's going to depend on what he says to the team leading up to it and you know, look he's and how, how much how much players can I'm separate sorry. that it's well sure but how much players can separate man from football mm-hmm you know, and I, and I don't. You know, I don't think we'll ever know the true feelings of some of the players. And you know, some may have his back, and some may think he's a horrible person, and you know, would rather not play with them. But you know, you play who you know you get. You don't get to pick your teammates. You know, you're on that team, and the the general manager is the one picking who you play with. So you know, I don't know how that's going to play out. But are they going to try to use us against the world? I would hope so. I mean, you know, as, well, as a coach well, and as a got. team, aren't you using anything to? Yeah, to give yourself yeah. an edge or to motivate or to push yourself or I mean that's what yeah. athletes do that all the time. I mean Tom Brady always has a chip on his shoulder. There he does. He's the greatest that ever played, and yet how how did he come out of the four game suspension? You know, with his hair on fire. I think he threw twenty two touchdowns and one interception in his next whatever number of games. And and that will be the that that really beyond everything else, what'll matter is how Jameis prepares and how he plays. You know, he's got to go away for four weeks. Um, it's going to be hard to simulate NFL Sundays for him, no matter how many two-a-days he does or, you know, what he does on Sunday at 1 o'clock on his own. But when he comes back, regardless of what the the Bucks are at that point, how he plays, he's going to have to have a monster year. He's going to have to be really on it and win games. He's going to have to find ways to help his team win games. He cannot be the reason they lose. I think how he plays will be will say a lot about the Bucks' um, commitment to him going forward. Um, you know, because look, you got to give them a reason to to give you a third chance. I mean, everybody says, "Well, you get, he deserves a second chance." Look, they they took a chance on him when they drafted him. That was chance number one, in my opinion. Um, this is now a you know this, this is now another chance. Um, so, you know, what he does with it. Off the field, clearly he can't make another mistake. The league has said they'll suspend him indefinitely. Uh, but on the field, even if he wasn't suspended, he'd have to have a pretty big year. But now the pressure's on to do it, you know, from the minute he gets in the huddle in a short week on his way to Chicago if, if in fact, they decide to play him, and I would expect they would. Um, and, and he's got well, to win but games. I, I think playing in Chicago may depend on – you know, Fitzpatrick's three and zero. Fitzpatrick is, yeah. But, well, come on. But, but, yeah. Well, I don't anticipate that happening. But if he's three and zero, Fitzpatrick's playing right. in Chicago. But, but the other part of this too, and as you say, seasons have momentum in this. If the yeah. Bucks are zero and three when Jameis takes over, yeah. How interested is some of the team anyway? I mean, not that they don't care, but well, they're going to be mad as hell you're, at him. You're going to hear the stat of you know only five teams have ever been zero and three and made the playoffs, and I don't know how many years it's been since that's happened. But we got them ready. San Diego, the last okay. team to go zero and four and make the postseason, we got them ready. Okay, well so you're on yeah. top of that, but you know, so no, I'm saying that. But that, the you're momentum right. of the you're season, exactly now right. they're one and two or two and one when Jameis takes over, it's different than no, if they're zero happy. and three. They'll feel good. Yeah, I mean yes. it's it's you know so a lot of how Jameis has to perform and what he's stepping into is going to depend on what happens those first three weeks when he's not there. Right. And they'll bail him out if they go one and two or two and one. They'll be, I don't think they're going to go three and oh, but they'll bail him out um, as a team. They'll have his back if they can keep their team in it until he comes back. But then it's up to him. Then it's up to him to play well. And, and he'll have, 
more adversity than he's ever had because he's not, you know, has he missed three games before? Yeah, he did last year. And when he came back, he, play, he was a different player. But he was a different player because he was injured and he got better. Yeah, because the, the, the four weeks before he missed those three games, he wasn't healthy and didn't play that well. And didn't play well. But, but he got healthy. It wasn't because, in this case, you know, unless he gets hurt in a preseason or something. The other thing is, and we've talked about this a lot, is that, you know, there, it's going to be disruptive in the sense that, we're going to ask a lot of players about it. They're not going to want to talk about it. It's kind of going to be a story all year. How are they going to work the reps? You know, how are they going to? Who are they going to get ready to prepare to play? Um, you know, what's going to happen if Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt during the preseason or nicked up? Are they really going to go with Ryan Griffith? Uh, you know, uh, are, are they going to? Uh, you know, are, are they going to bring in another veteran? You know, at some point to quarterback or to at least cover. Fitzpatrick, if uh, if he can't you know can't get it done or looks bad, I mean th- you know this is and then you know I can f- forecast regardless of what the record is, the week that he comes back. Imagine that week, right, at one buck place. I mean it's going to be the story of the year. It is the story of the year. Virtually nothing except a winning season and a maybe um, a, a trip to the playoffs. Will will make this stain go away. I mean, winning is the best deodorant, as John Madden said. Um, but this is this is really something that you know they'll have to have an approach to. And and yeah, I think you will. You know, to answer JP's questions that I did today, they'll absolutely try to make it that. As you said, every everybody tries to find that edge. Um, but how players, you know, I could see I could see some guys also saying, you know, we're sitting here. We we played our butts off in in two or three of these games, and had we had our starting quarterback, we probably win two of them or we win all three of them. And now we're sitting here maybe zero and three. That changes how you feel about that guy coming back. Mm-hmm. It just does. The guys will be looking out of the side of their eyes at him. I I, I mean, not everybody. Someone will just like, well, you know, it's his deal. I don't know what happened. You know, he's my teammate. I love him. Um, and you've already heard that. But there'll be others that'll be like, wow. You know, I'm, you know, I, I blood, I bled, sweat and gave everything I had for three weeks. And we could have won these games if not for a guy, you know, doing something stupid, um, you know, because, again, it's a quarterback. It's not, you know, it's not your running back. It's not your wide receiver. It's not your Mike linebacker. You're talking about the guy that that you have built the franchise around. So um Lots to talk about. I'm sure this will be, you know, we've done this, you know, a little bit the last couple of days, but it's something that will come up in various forms. And I just, I find it interesting. We're not that far away from the start of uh, a Bucks minicamp, really. So uh, the Rays play tonight again against the Tigers. It'll be Ryan Stanek will be the opener, although he'll turn it over to Ryan Yarbrough, the one pitcher who did not pitch out of the bullpen, bullpen on Monday. And he'll get probably most of the innings. Also, the big race stadium announcement before that at 2 p.m. That will be streamed live on Facebook by the Rays on their Facebook page. So you want to make sure uh, you tune into that. World Cup semifinals are going on. Belgium against France, I guess. I'll have two um, screens going. The Rays uh, stadium announcement and the World Cup because they both start at 2 o'clock. <laughs> are you serious? Absolutely. I will say I got in, I got into the Russia and the uh, Croatia. Oh, that game was a great game. That was was a fantastic game. France England Belgium should be another play good on game. Wednesday. Yeah, Eng- England yeah, I, Croatia. I mean, France Belgium. Really, the winner of the France Belgium game should win the World Cup. But, yeah, you know yeah. that's why you play the game. 
I think France is going to win it all. I think they're the best team left, but we'll see. Um, I really and, like Mbappe. Uh, Their 19-year-old Mbappe players are fantastic. Mbappe? Yes. Okay. M-B-A-P-P-E. I'm the guy at McDonald's. Have you seen that commercial? What the, what's, what's the morning game tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Does um, it matter? <laughs> no. Does it matter? No. Because it's not the U.S. Also, I wanted to send some uh, – this is kind of important, too. I want to send some healing vibes out to uh, Joey Johnson. A lot of people know Joey uh, Johnson from the Tampa Tribune. Um, he, he works for USF, does uh, some of their football broadcast work there. And uh, just, just a great guy that we've known for years and years. His son, Joey Jr., uh, had a little accident, well, a major accident, actually, um, and he is, uh, he is recovering from a fairly serious injury. And uh, he's at All Children's. I just want to send some healing vibes for him. He could use your prayers, uh, him and uh, Joey's family, for Joey Jr. So hopefully he can uh, be on his way to a, uh, to a full and, and quick recovery. But just wanted to say that. Okay, so we uh, we appreciate you guys listening as we do every day. We'll we be back here, of course, uh, tomorrow. And we, we love the interaction. We're going to have a mailbag this week. I already got a question from Ernest Hooper, which is a very good question that I have to research. Um, but we will uh, welcome yours as well. You can they reach didn't us. didn't tell me there'd be any on... research in this thing. <laughs> well, We're just supposed to talk, have... right? Listen, his question is really good, and I'm not going to give it away, but it's hard. It's like something I I don't know the answer to this. Like I, I like it when I know the answers to the questions, and those are the ones that we use. Um, but in this case, I might actually have to do a little bit of work, so I'll do that. But we'll welcome your questions as well. You can tweet those to us uh, if you want to, at SportsDayTB. That's our Twitter handle, at SportsDayTB. You can tweet me if you, if you prefer, at NFL Stroud. Um, and, of course, you can always email me at rstroud at Tampa Bay. Uh, dot com and then um you know look rate and review this podcast whatever you can get it steve it's pretty much everywhere right yeah you're getting it from either itunes or google play maybe stitcher tune in iHeartRadio, soundcloud just hit like uh on the post or subscribe to it first that way it comes to your mobile device every day automatically but then uh, like it or comment on it or share it with a friend that helps too and if you still can't find it tampabay.com slash sports it's always right there on the right side of the page you know, we got people uh, as far as Las Vegas that were tweeting at me about how uh, they're able to actually get the show on the same day or the day before, if you will, because of the three-hour time change. Not so much tonight, yeah, folks. not so much tonight. It's a late one tonight. <laughs> it's even late on the West Coast as we're taping this. So, anyway, um, my thanks, uh, as always, to Steve Verstink. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. 